This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 390 for Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Brock Vola is back at the Cat Volver on all the social media that matters. Hello, sir. Hello. How you do? I am doing very well, and let me tell you why. Finally, thanks to our mutual friend, Ryan Murphy, uh, I have ordered an Xbox Series X. Ooh. I finally got one. Uh, and I finally had an excuse to use the Ghostbusters GIF in my Discord <laughs> to say that <laughs> we got one. Uh, Ryan texted me the other day at 7.17 a.m., which, by the way, for folks that don't know, is 6.17 a.m. for Ryan, <laughs> who was who up with his children and getting ready for work, I would imagine. Uh, but he said that uh, Walmart had restocked and that uh, he got through to the checkout and he thought because I was looking for one that I would want to give it a try. So I jumped out of bed. I thought, you know what? I'm awake now. He didn't wake me up. I was already awake. I was reading the news in, in bed on my phone and I was just like, oh, okay, well, here we go. So I jumped out of bed, went to the went to the, the computer. I had already had a bunch of stuff bookmarked, but Ryan had sent me a link. So I just kind of, with my Mac, I just clicked on the link in the chat and went right to the site. I did check to see if Walmart had the bundle which was a lot of places when you buy a console, you can get $15 mm -hmm. off a second controller if you want to buy them both at the same time. Uh, sometimes they have a special box, but sometimes it's just like, no, if you just you buy one, you get the other one and you, you save a little bit of money. Uh, they did not have any in stock in their bundle. Um, Walmart doesn't do the separate thing. It just, it's like a buy together thing. Uh, yeah. And so I could not get the $15 off on the controller, which sounds like a small little violin playing because uh, these things are so hard to get. I'm just happy that I got one. Uh, the extra $15 was worth shopping at Walmart, which is not something I'd ever think I'd say out loud. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the experience was pretty smooth. Like, I got to say, I, I went to the checkout. I, I bought the thing. I added the extra controller. You know, they charged the Visa uh, separately because they were going to be available in different times. Like con the controllers are out now and you can buy them on your own because you can use them with PCs. So like they're just available everywhere. Um, but the, the, the Xbox series X is going to be available, uh, for shipment on February 4th. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to pick mine up until the 10th because it's being shipped to the store, which is another reason I thought actually I wanted to go this route rather than getting it on Amazon or, or Best Buy. Although Best Buy might have like an in-store pickup option as well um mm -hmm. so i'll be able to pick it up on the 10th of february maybe even a little bit earlier because january 24th was the controller availability and i just got an email this morning saying that's going to be available on the 23rd so you know that's mm -hmm. fine you know like I'm, I'm fine with around the, the 10th it's a little bit of a wait but i honestly if i had ordered it from something that was available right now and it was being shipped to me i would imagine it would still take 10 to 14 days to get to me. So waiting an extra, you know, four or five just to go pick it up at the store uh, is fine by me. Uh, and I, let me tell you why I'm okay with getting it at the store. 
uh, because I had some new audio equipment delivered to the studio last week. Mm. And the first one, which thankfully was the bulk of it. So it was like the new mouse. It was the new, the new microphone, uh, that was left outside of my apartment door. Uh, the mm. delivery person knocked very lightly and must have bolted because the three meters that, it, that I have to cross to get to my front door, they were gone by the time I opened <laughs> it. And had I not been aware of getting a package that day, I would have probably missed it. If I was playing a game or if I was doing a podcast or something, if I had my headphones in, I would probably have not heard that knock on the door. It was left outside my apartment door because the front door to my building, and this has got nothing to do with the Amazon delivery service, uh, which is not Amazon, it's a third party, uh, is often open, something that I've been taking up with my superintendent repeatedly. Uh, the door sticks to the floor. So basically, delivery people can come right into the building. Uh, the other package was left in the front foyer, which is again open to the public. So if you come into the building, you have to buzz to get into the security door. There's a mm -hmm. space outside of that where the mailboxes are and stuff like that. And so granted, they did call me. They buzzed up to say that the package was here, which was what I guess they said, because they mumbled something super fast, ended it with like, okay, and then they were gone. And they didn't wait to confirm who I was. They, I mean, they buzzed <laughs> the right buzzer, but like I go down to the, to the front foyer, they're gone. They've already driven away. And my package is in the open lobby. If I hadn't have been home, like they would have just left it there. I've had people, because what happens is when you call my front door, it buzzes my cell phone. It's a digital service, like a digital system. So even mm -hmm. if I'm not home, if I'm in the car somewhere at grocery store, I'll still answer. But if I had answered, they would, they would have basically said like, your package is here, okay, bye. And I'm just like, but I'm not home. <laughs> like, and this is not cheap. <laughs> like this is yeah. a couple hundred dollars of stuff, which I mean, I appreciate that I'm, I'm available to buy. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging at all. Uh, I mean, I've been saving up, uh, and I've, I've got a lot of support from my, my Twitch chat for the new microphone, but it's, it's just stuff like that. It was just like, this is important stuff and you're just leaving it out in the open just because you are paid by however many packages you can deliver in the next hour. And it's just, yeah. it's infuriating. Um, so I, I am very, I'm happy. <laughs> to go out <laughs> mask and all i don't mind at all to go to walmart and pick up my my xbox series x when it arrives uh, oh for sure yeah you know like i've gotten email updates and stuff like that and i've been really frustrated with best buy uh, i've been trying to pick up uh a, a series x for a few months now and whenever they restock they advertise on twitter and last week uh thursday something like that they they restocked. Apparently, it was three thousand units across Canada that Best Buy had, and they sold out in eleven minutes. Now I understand that it's a popular console, and that yeah, it's the pandemic, and people are home, and it's high demand, and there's never been enough. Like since launch, they've just not had enough. I, Canada is not that dense. Like I I don't see three thousand people buying Xboxes in eleven minutes, and I I know about the bots. Like I know that there's services out there that are buying these xboxes and it's a twofold problem one microsoft doesn't care because the xboxes are being purchased you can't buy it without paying for it so they're just seeing sales coming out their ears but then yeah. the retailers are doing nothing that i can see and i mean i'm happy for somebody that works in security or internet you know shops or whatever to to fill me in on how hard this is but 
I've not seen any effort whatsoever uh, on the behalf of retailers to make it easier for consumers, not bots, mm, to get a hold yeah. of these consoles. At PS5 people, same problem. Like it's all it's all a, a, an issue um, because they keep on doing the same thing. There's been at least two, if not three, restocks since launch in November, and every single time they just do the same thing. They announce it on Twitter. <laughs> And then they say, here we go. And it all just goes. And the biggest complaint that I see, which is what happened to me on Thursday, I had one in my checkout cart. And as I was filling out my information, the page refreshed and my item was gone. So it gets your oh, hopes up to the yeah. point where you're just like, I don't know if I want one anymore. Like if this is the kind of thing that I have to go through to get one, it's really frustrating. And again, I'm not necessarily laying it at the feet solely at like Xbox or 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 like I really thinking it's more of like a retail experience. Like I just, I don't want to do this to buy something. It shouldn't be this hard. Like if you want, if you want me to, to pay you for something, you should have the thing available to me, you know? Um, yeah. And it, yeah. it's just, it's silly. Like I don't mind being on a waiting list. I mean, like if you say, Hey, you want to register with Best Buy? Great. You register with Best Buy and you are, you know, number 1,312 on the list. And when your name comes up, you you have 24 hours to say, yes, buy it and send it to me. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but they, they, they've never even, like, they've never even thought about that. So anyway, um, point, I have one. And uh, now I have a second problem. <laughs> I say problem, giant quotation <laughs> marks. Um, I had picked out a TV to go with this. And uh, the TCL um, 556... 55R635. It's a 30, it's a 55 inch TV and, um, best in its class for video games. But CES just happened last week and TCL has announced a bunch of new things happening to the six series. Now they're not happening until later this year, but of course the big thing that's changing, it looks like, cause they haven't been really f forefront about all the things that are changing. They're putting 8k in a lot of the six series. I'm not interested in 8k. I'm I'm only gonna I'm barely gonna need 4K, um, but HDMI 2.1 is in the new is in the new TVs I would imagine, um, and so now I'm just like on this fence of like not only is the TV that I'm looking for not on sale did not go on sale on Black Friday or uh, Boxing Week, um, mm. but it's it's for me it's a $900 television, which is not a lot for a really nice TV in Canada. You're usually the nice Sony that I bought. 10 years ago or more, 15 years ago, I think at the time came out to be around two grand, um, which was an yeah. investment, but it was back when all that kind of stuff was really new. Uh, so the fact that I'm getting a bigger TV that does a lot more for half the price is actually pretty good. Uh, these yeah. kind of TVs, yeah. TCL TVs would range in the five to $700 American range for a 55 inch TV. Gotcha. Um, so I'm just on this fence of like, do I... Like I obviously I, I want to get the new TV soon, preferably before February 10th. Um, I've always, I've resigned to just knowing I'm probably going to pay full price for it. I'm just not going to see a deal on it. Um, and so I'm just going to, you know, uh, pick that up. The problem that I'm hoping that I don't experience is like buying the new TCL now only to either one, have this TV go on for a much lower price later in the year, like within six months sort of idea. Um, because of the new TCL announcements or the new TCLs come out and they're roughly the same price for a much better panel. 
And so I'm, yeah. I I need, I've, I've got a couple of podcasts I listen to about it. I'm going to write them and be just like, look, I'm really kind of paralyzed. And it's always this, it's always this way. Like it's the same with computer parts, with processors and video cards. And it's the same with, um, with, with TVs. Uh, it's not the same with consoles because the console cycles are usually so far apart. Like they're usually four years, I think, between consoles or if not more. Um, yeah, the this console cycle, I feel like was a little faster for to PS4 to five, but PS3 mm-hmm. to four, I feel like was was nearly a decade. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. I think, yeah, basically a half decade for most console cycles. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more than likely still going to get the TV. The idea being that, well, if a nicer, better TV comes out later, I might be able to sell this second hand because it'll still be under warranty. And that is usually a good a good thing when you're trying to sell something that you've that's been opened and you can just like look you know yes it's been used but i mean it's been doing nothing but sitting here and i've been playing xbox on it but it's also still got six months or four months or whatever of, of manufacturer's warranty so you know if somebody's worried about it then if they're going to be buying it if it's a stranger then it'd be just like well, all right well i mean it's still got the warranty on it so yeah because um, because the the, the the thing that i've been trying to trip back and forth on is like you know 55 inch or 65 inch and I just have this ceiling of one responsible budget of not wanting to spend more than like a thousand dollars after taxes. Um, and the 65 inch starts at like, I think it's a $1,300 TV ticket price. So like that gets up into 1500 bucks, like real quick. Um, and for those of you that aren't aware in Nova Scotia, taxes are 15%. So it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I mean, like I can still, for all of these things, I mean, there's a portion of it, especially with the Xbox because of the content that I'll be able to talk about and all that kind of thing that I can claim, you know, for income tax. Cause I do a lot of entertainment based, you know, content creation. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's great. The TV is a harder sell <laughs> in terms of that. Um, just cause it's such a general, you know, purpose thing in the, in the household. Um, but yeah, like it just, I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I have, uh, purchase regret i'm just not used to spending this amount of money so i'm not sure whether you've had this experience you know or whether parenting has changed this or what but like i'm just not used to spending money on myself in this amount for things that are not necessary if that makes any sense sure well i will say just to sort of give you again you're you're able to use the console and better television um not only for two factors i mean your emotional and your emotional health and your ability to appreciate being stuck in your house during these times is is incredibly paramount but on top of that yeah you i mean you you've developed a a a broader part of your career that's based in in gaming and having the best tools to do that particularly in a industry that you're like you've mentioned like changes nearly quarterly sometimes as far as graphics or or this thing or that thing um makes a lot of sense um for laura and i are are super well laura's laura's super buyer's remorse even when she like researches the hell out of everything Mm -hmm. tries to make the best choice still is probably only about 75 percent to 90 percent sure about it when she does it always has a lingering doubt always worries that it's gonna be cheaper or it's not gonna be the right one gets it and then immediately has buyer's remorse because she spent so much money on this thing. So she has that happen a lot to her throughout her life. Um, I'm a little bit less. Once I've gotten to the point where the decision's made, at that point, I'm like, well, I'll just tackle what's going to happen with it afterwards. Like if it goes on sale, like the 
most of the time I'm look I haven't really had a major like TV purchase uh luckily within my relationship with Laura so we'll have that but we're going to have a new house purchase and we've purchased a car but um generally speaking the thing that's bothered me the most though uh and I started to crowdsource more and more is like when it comes to uh, games or certain things like on Amazon or just like your your mid tier things that are usually under a hundred bucks, but at any one point can be go from like being eighty dollars to like in a month and a half dropping down to like thirty five dollars and you're like mm-hmm. Jesus like you know those types of things bother me more and I've seen that c- catch me a lot of times particularly with video games so now it's to the point where I just wish list a lot of stuff and then I just wait and then I wait and, and unless it's like a really desperate like need. I just wait and then once i see it's dropped 35 percent, 50 percent, whatever it is especially on the switch they do those a lot but and, and playstation but and then i just crowdsource with my buddies my buddies you know have we've gotten to this point where we'll text out like i saw target has a buy one get one 50 off or best buy right. is doing this thing like that's how i found out about the um final fantasy uh 7 remake from playstation 4 um i just happened to see in a, a target ad that this is right before Christmas or whatever, or sometime around that. Anyway, basically it dropped from around like 50 to about 29.99 and it's kind of hovered around there since, um, but I've seen it go back up to like 35 flat. So it was a nice little window of like, okay, cool. This is a thing that's like, you know, it's an upper tier game. Some of those upper tier games will never drop before below 20 for at least a couple of years until they know everybody has it. Um, but yeah, I, I've had that a little bit. I, I definitely am less anxious about it once it happens, once the decision's made, and once I have it, then I'm sort of on to the next thing. But my wife is every phase from beginning, middle, and end, always like, well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we could have held on on this thing and then waited for this this one instead. And so yeah, she has that a lot. I was thinking about um, traveling, and I don't get a vacation every year just self-employed. Um, but after my hiking trip to Utah, which I still think about in 2017, I thought, okay, I'm not going to go more than two or three years without taking a decent vacation. Well, obviously there's no vacation happening in 2020. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, and despite having the means to do so. So this is kind of like, well, the money that I would have spent on a plane ticket, uh, because it costs uh, nearly a thousand dollars to fly anywhere from Halifax. Uh, you know, that's worth going to really. Um, then you're like, okay, well, I would have just spent that, you know, on, I'll, just, I'll spend That's on true. something else, right? So I'll just yeah. invest in it this way. So, because um, for the longest time, um, I'm in no market right now for anything that's, you know, serious as like home buying. But I, I thought, you know, when my other TV died a few years ago, um, before my mom gave me her hand-me-down, because they had replaced theirs around the same time. And it just kind of like luckily worked out that I ended up getting a TV. Uh, without having to buy one, uh, I thought I'm not going to invest in like whatever the latest greatest is. I'm going to replace the TV. At the time, I was barely watching, uh, barely watching it, uh, and because I wasn't doing any gaming, I was just it was just for films really, uh, because I don't have cable. Uh, and this was even well, I would guess it would have been after streaming was a pretty big thing, but not nearly what it is now. It would have been Netflix would have been like the only service I had, but I would have watched. Yeah. Fair, I would have watched a fair amount of it, and I. I just thought like, well, there's no sense in investing in anything really fancy and nice because the goal is to not be in this apartment forever and eventually you'll have a house. And then that's when you would say, okay, 
now that I have the room that's going to be the room with the TV in it for whatever purpose, then I'll buy the TV for that particular space. Um, but I just kind of like realized that that's farther away than I thought. And so, you know, getting the TV is, is, I don't know. I, I just don't want to feel, I don't want to do an impatient purchase, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And I, and I, like you said, you know, like you just kind of resign to the fact that it's just going to happen. And you'll deal with it later. I've watched this TV for about three or four months uh, since, since I made the decision, like somewhere at the end of the summer, it was, well, I guess it was after the pre-orders available. So I didn't really decide to get an Xbox until like the pre-order opportunity had passed. That's why I'm having such a hard time. I was, ha- was having such a hard time getting one. Um, but the TV I never saw on sale for more than 50 bucks off and 50 bucks off to me is like, well, whatever you, it's nice to save $50, but it's not like I'm going to feel guilty it's for missing that sale. Sometimes. Right. It's, it's no, not yeah, even, exactly. yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not you know, even tax. on a $900 TV. That's nothing. So, um, <laughs> but the thing that did get me was this stupid $15 off on the controller, <laughs> right? Where I'm kicking myself because <laughs> not only, uh, did I know that they were that controllers were on sale on their own? You didn't have to buy an Xbox. It was just, did you want the new Carbon Black controller? It's on for fifteen dollars off over Boxing Week. <laughs> I forgot. I could not get an Xbox. I felt silly uh, buying a controller before getting the Xbox, and I just, I it slipped my mind. In the same way that the mouse that I just picked up, again, like you said, hundred dollar mouse. Very often you can find it for 50 bucks, 60 bucks on various sales around the year. Um, I very often will not buy gifts, but I will actually invest in studio equipment during Black Friday and Boxing Week because it's the best time to buy tech. And so if you're operating a home business and you need, you know, fancy electronics for that, that's the best time to invest. Anyway, luck have it, the same mouse was on for a better sale on Amazon the week after. (laughs) The boxing day yeah. stuff was over. So I ended up getting the exact same mouse for uh, $10 cheaper than I would have had I, had I remembered to buy it at, at Best Buy during Boxing Week. But that's the, you're right. Like, that's the kind of thing that gets under my skin. Like, I'm almost more concerned because it, it's it's saving 50%. And for some reason, that sticks in your brain. Like, that $50 is somehow better than the $50 that I would save on the TV. <laughs> it's the yeah. same amount of money. It's just that yeah, one is 50% it is and the other one yeah, is five, like... you know? Yeah, 5% yeah. off of a TV, but it ends up equaling the same amount of money saved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I never thought about it that way. But I, it is. It's something about human nature where you're like, if it's 75% off to free, wow, that is like crazy. But then you're like, if to get that deal, you have to pay full price for something else. And then like three weeks down the road, the original items like on its own 60% off. So really like if you, if like, I'm sure there's statisticians and mathematicians and accountants that constantly look at the way the, the e-market is and are just like, this deal is garbage. This deal is real. Like it's, and I, you start to see it a a little bit more, especially around the, the holidays when everyone has the same deal and you start to pick through and you start to realize like, Oh, so the bundle is saving money only because you're giving a game with it. But like at the same time, like I don't know, like at the same time you look around their their website and they're like all their games right now for for the for this time period are like 50 percent off. So it's like, yes, I'm getting a free game. But technically, if I paid full price, I could be getting two games for the price of one game. So I'm getting a free game, but I could also be getting two games if I spent a little bit more money instead. And I probably Mm -hmm. 
use two games. So it's this tricky thing of like, what what is where you're gonna get the most like gratification and pat yourself on the back of being like getting that great deal? Is it like saving a little bit of money here, or is it getting more for your money? And I think that's that's a tricky thing because especially during um, especially when it's bundles and stuff like that, it always feels like more for your money. They're always trying to throw in like a chin strap it feels like or an armband or something you're like well in case i want to like sleep and play this game i guess whatever (laughs) um and they always want to throw in all this stuff same for your phone like they're like oh this other like accessory garbage and it's like well you know i i'd rather say i'd rather you save like that you know three dollars of manufactured goods that you're going to sell to me for fifteen dollars and instead give me fifteen dollars off the object because i i'm still going to spend that money on a better case or a better chin strap or whatever it is yeah. that i'm using mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm more of the type of like give me the cheapest price possible and i'll do all the accessorizing myself whereas like with all these different things and it, you know in some life you can't do that like you can't really do that with um tv with like certain tech objects like it's it's still like but here's the components in the thing um and then with streaming services i feel like that too is like you know you'd almost be like you know i'd pay five dollars less for netflix if you just didn't give me access to the movies that netflix basically doesn't own because at this point like right there's so many different access to these movies that unless it's an original object now on a lot of these streaming services i'm like cool you know i th- we'll get to the email eventually but i th- unless it's like a really hard to find movie um most of the time it's like cool so like five different streaming services have access to like the second despicable me movie because of the licensing cool i mean like all right i mean like if you have kids it's nice to have some of those options like we do but yeah at the end of the day it's still about like okay i'm gonna kind of hone on the lower price and then i'll do the bundling because i'm also somebody who's like you know growing up i at one point i told my dad i'm gonna save a hundred dollars this is back in like the early 90s I want to save a hundred dollars and I want to go to Toys R Us and I want to like go on a shopping spree. I want to spend, you know, and my dad was like, oh, cool. You know, cause it was a learning experience. Like you're going to have to count your money. You're literally dollars and cents at that point. And then when you get to a hundred dollars, I'll drive you there. So we went and it was looking back at the time. It, it kind of it was a weird scratch in the back of my head. Now as an adult, I realized was disappointment. Because I took the hundred dollars there and I thought like hundred dollars, I'm gonna walk out of this with like a cart full of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you go in there and and now as an adult who is a parent, it's even more crushing possibly to see my father watch me go through and realize, oh, hundred dollars is gonna give me like five things, you know. And one of the things was basically on clearance. It was like the last like seven bucks I had. But like getting a nice Lego set, two cool action figures, and then something else was essentially going to take the whole hundred dollars and it was like wow cool but still you walk away with five things as opposed to one thing sometimes you know that can the the quantity um can really balance it out but i'll just never forget that a hundred dollars and my dad must have been like all right cool 
Yeah, you're gonna see real fast how yeah how much uh, your mom and I have to shell out for you to <laughs> because you're gonna see what a hundred dollars gets you. I mean, he never said that, but I wonder yeah. if in Henny it was like, "All right, kid, a hundred dollars, huh? All right, cool. <laughs> Won't buy you a bus ticket to Toys R Us, but all right, yeah. whatever. Let's get there." Yeah, but yeah, well, I'm yeah, and that's the thing that I have to remind myself too is that like I I'm not buying any games with the Xbox uh, because uh, again, thanks to Ryan Murphy. Uh, I picked up six months of Xbox Game Pass during the Boxing Week sales mm -hmm. for 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. So that's $10 is, a month, yeah. which is roughly half price. It was 40% off. So regularly in Canada, that Xbox, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, I can't remember the full title of the thing. It's longer than my arm. Uh, <laughs> it retails for $16.99 a month, I think. So to, to do it at $10 a month, which is less than I'm paying for Netflix, for arguably more content hour per hour, right? Mm. Uh, that I'd be interested in, uh, including things like Skyrim and Minecraft Dungeons and uh, Will of the Wisps. And like, there's all kinds of games that I'm really interested in trying out. So I don't have to worry about buying a game. I just, I have access to a hundred or more games immediately as soon as I redeem this code. Uh, so that is the value add. And I, I was aware of that sale and I saved myself, you know, uh, well, uh, 40 bucks, you know, like over the next six months uh, of doing that. So the only thing that I was hoping for, I think, I think the only disappointment that I have here in the long run is that I was really hoping to snag an Xbox before Christmas so that over the Christmas holidays, you know, maybe you get that TV on sale, maybe you don't. But like I was hoping for like that Christmas holiday into New Year's Day sort of thick situation to have an Xbox at home and, and just have that yeah. lazy holiday experience, which I didn't do. I still had a lovely Christmas. Like I'm not saying that it, it didn't ruin it at all. Um, and I ended up just doing a lot of relaxing without, you know, really doing a whole lot, just spending time with people. Uh, and so that's fine, but it's just, it's this weird kind of mentality that you have of like what your expectations are versus what you're paying. And every, I mean, I know it makes me sound like an old man, but man, everything is getting expensive. Like, it's just ridiculous. I, um, I can say this because they don't listen to the show. I don't think anymore, but my sister and her, her husband, uh, got a, a switch for the household for Christmas. Uh, it was uh, a gift from them and my grandparents uh, to the family. So like, obviously Kaylee, my niece plays it, but it's, they all play it. You know, they all play Mario Kart. They really enjoy it. Um, but that was not cheap. And I went to think, oh, hey, Kaylee's birthday is coming up in February. I'll get her a, a switch game. That'd be a nice thing for the family because then she can play it, mm -hmm. but then also they can play it together. It's time together as a family. Uh, I was very surprised at the cost of Switch games. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh, okay, wow. That is, I mean, it's still a, I mean, it's it's still something, it's something I can afford, but it's just like, that is, that's a lot for a, for someone that's under 10 for a birthday gift. You know, like it's, yeah. just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's a different ball game when you get into the tech stuff. Like I thought, you know, I remember my, parents were not complaining but the marveling at the cost of some of the dolls that she wanted for christmas like even just last year uh you know 20 30 dollars for these little figures and um mm -hmm. i've been i've known that for years i mean like talk about lego half the sets that i would even be remotely interested in building from lego start at 150 you know canadian <laughs> you know um yeah, yeah so it's just like oh i don't even know it's it's uh it's one of those things where like the cost of everything just keeps on going up and very rarely do I find something that ha has is has been worth the investment. Although, um, despite the fact that I had to return them because they didn't fit, 
the Steel Series Arctis 9X was the headset that I had picked up on um, a Black Friday sale or a box. I can't remember which it was. I think it was a Black Friday sale. They're normally around 260 Canadian. I picked them up for 180 or something. There was a really good sale. And they were technology-wise fantastic they sounded good they mm-hmm. had bluetooth they had wireless they had a 35 a 3.5 mil jack like they had all of the things that i needed except for they hurt my head which i think is dumb in a luxury in, a, in a, like a, a luxury brand of headphones that's supposed to be high end to not be able to adjust the bloody <laughs> headband like i mean you really that's that's what you decided to skimp on yeah anyway um i've decided not to um not to replace them until i actually have an xbox in the house that i can test whatever i get with uh, which, you know, makes sense. The The main thing is I wanted them for also for streaming, like not to use the microphone, but to use as like a nice headset. And if I'm sitting at my computer two feet from it, I don't need them to be wireless. Like I would much prefer to have a 3.5 mil jack. And very few of these wireless headphones come with the ability to have a 3.5 mil jack plugged in. It's really ridiculous because you think it'd be like the simplest low tech thing that you can do. Um, but no, they want you to use the wireless thing or buy a separate dongle. Which is which they don't even make. It's not like you're paying them, you know. So, <laughs> I just yeah, I I had to return them, and so I was thinking, you know, as as someone that runs their own business, and you're looking at financials, you're just like, oh, right, blah blah blah. Like I'm thinking about this. This is a lot of money going out, and then I had to remind myself, like you just returned <laughs> like two hundred dollar headphones. That money's coming back to you, which is again something that will make the the purchase of the Xbox less. You know, like it'll it'll yeah. it'll be less of a of a financial thing because like you're thinking about this of, of all the money that's already gone out and you're forgetting about some of the returns and some of the things that are coming back. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, so it all kind mm-hmm. of balances out in the end. Um, but to your point earlier about email, we actually have an email from a listener this week again, and uh, I gotta say we are I think we're about once a week for almost a couple of months now. We've had listener email, which I really enjoy. So keep them coming, folks. This is from Supraja R slash Pearlescent Moon. I'm not sure if it's the same Pearlescent Moon that does Minecraft creator content. If it is, hi. Uh, thanks for writing in. If it's not, you have a same name as someone that I'm aware of <laughs> on the internet doing Minecraft stuff. Uh, the subject is viewing Star Wars. Hi there, Joel and co-host slash co-hosts. I wanted to start watching Star Wars, but I need some help. I live in the UAE, so Disney Plus is not available here. Where can I watch all the Star Wars movies and TV shows, and what is the recommended order to watch them? I would love to hear from you, as I have been watching the show, or sorry, as I have been wanting to watch the movies and shows forever. Many thanks, Pearlescent Moon. Um, I'm sure this will be a divisive opinion <laughs> across the board once we dig into it. Um, however, short version: I don't really see much outside of Disney Plus. Uh, I did a little bit of a Google search. The films are still available, but you have to rent or buy them. Um, yeah. I'm a Star Wars yeah. fan. I would say if you have not watched them yet, it's worth the rental, right? Like, it's, because there's yes. a chance that you might not like them, but I would say that if you're going to rent them for five bucks, they're worth the $5. Like, it's not like you're going to be bored <laughs> you know, for two hours watching the Star sure, Wars Sure, yeah, film. exactly, yeah. Um, but I would imagine that Disney has streaming rights locked down on pretty much all things star wars uh yeah that would be yeah so unfortunately you might be looking at renting or or buying depending on what services are available to you as for the actual 
order in which to watch them. This is where some people might find it a little bit divisive. I, I'm seeing some new people, especially younger people that are new to the series, starting with episode one, two, three, uh, and liking them. But then I find that that spoils some of the reveal. Sometimes, depending on how steeped you are in pop culture and sci-fi and fantasy stuff, like you might know a lot of the big drops already. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the movies are 40 years old. So like there's, you know, there's, there's not a lot that isn't, you know, permeated into geek culture. However... Uh, just as a nostalgic nod to experience it the same way that most people have probably experienced the films. Uh, I would say watch episodes four and five. So Star Wars and um, Empire Strikes Back. Then yeah, New Hope and, yeah. and Empire. Yeah, yeah sorry. But yeah, New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back. I would then suggest, and this is a bit of a twist, to then go back and watch episodes one, two, and three, which is uh, Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Then skip ahead again and finish the original trilogy by watching Episode Six, Return of the Jedi, uh, and then followed by Seven, Eight, Nine in the correct order. Um, mm. I just think it would be a fun way to do it. I think it will fill in some gaps. I think it'll um, make Return of the Jedi that much more poignant. Uh, and then the other films like Rogue One or Solo, I you don't need to watch those in any kind of order. If anything, there's a there's a bit of nostalgia in both of those films, and I feel like they work better as a look back rather than chronological chronological drop. Yeah, yeah I agree. in terms of the Star Wars universe, because there's chronological in terms of how things happen in the Star Wars universe timeline, and then there's chronological in the way that things were produced and released theatrically. And I think that yeah. With the exception of that one little switch between, you know, putting one, two, three before episode six, I think the theatrical release schedule is about is a probably a better way to experience them. Would you agree? Disagree? Uh, I really wanted to disagree, uh, but I absolutely I think I really agree. And I, I think I'd seen this floated a while back. But um, yeah, if you're able at all to preserve any spoilers whatsoever for the greater movies, the nine, let's say, um, then I agree. Watch New Hope. Um, we date ourselves when we say Star Wars, just the flat oh, one, I know. because everyone's like, which one? There's nine <laughs> of them. And we're like, oh, no, I mean, Star Wars. You're like, yeah, 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 there's nine. It's like, no, no, no. There was once a movie called Star Wars. It had no other thing. But now we call it, like, before it was popular to have, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. I remember when they released that movie and it's like, that's a damn long title. And at the time before things really blew up, they're like, oh, they're planning sequels. Because mm. once you started to throw out that that subtitle, you establish like, we'll have the name title, then we'll have the undercard. Um, but yeah, so Star Wars, A New Hope, and then Empire Strikes Back, Phantom Menace, Tag of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith going back to Return of the Jedi through force awakens and uh rise of skywalker i agree i think that's good i think the the prequels as well i think momentum wise you'll really kill some of it by as much as i don't hate solo i also don't love solo and i don't think i mean han's a cool character but i don't think han's so vitally important until really sort of parts of the end of the last trilogy that um you absolutely need to have the information and as much as rogue one is the better of the two standalones it really isn't. I'm sorry. Like I know people love it. Some people have Rogue One in their top three, 
but like it really isn't necessary it's a very good movie it's just not necessary like you see tragedy and sacrifice in the star wars universe yes but also if you watch the tv shows you kind of see that like all the time so i don't know it's um that's probably going to be the, my most unpopular star wars take like rogue one excellent movie unnecessary um but uh but yeah i think your your list is is pretty apt if you don't know much um without saying it i think how it is is it is it'll be a very long detour but since they're all can canonical uh going from five back to one two three is a nice little um is good and i think that gives better arcs for some characters um uh some of my favorites um in the series so i'll give you a little bit better arc um there i uh yeah so i don't disagree at all my least favorite film in the entire nine honestly is attack of the clones episode two um which is funny because i know a lot of people hate one a lot of people hate nine beginnings and endings can be hard i mean if technically speaking again new hope is the real beginning so it's not that hard it was excellent but um yeah i think the order's great i would propose this to people who are listening who have seen it several times i've wanted to do a one 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 two 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 three 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 in which i wanted to take the first of each trilogy watch them back to back take the second of each trilogy watch them back to back and take the third of each trilogy and watch them back to back this to me in my opinion proves a little bit more that um, there's a little bit better quality at certain points in uh, each trilogy uh, and how they go. Like personally, I think the first of each trilogy are the, are that three Phantom Menace, which I actually enjoy um, new hope and um, uh, force awakens. I think all three of those films are actually good. Like I enjoy all of them, if not great. Um, like I said, attack of the clones is not good, but then, truly my favorites like my top and within my top three empire strikes back and then the last jedi like i'm a defender of last jedi like those two pairs my least favorite is a very interesting two 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 but three to me is where i i said i was divisive about rogue one i'll be the most divisive and it's good that i'll be going away for a little while from this show joel when i say this <laughs> but um to be frank i think off the top of my head each third movie gets worse as you go through. So I think Revenge of the Sith is the best third. I think Return of the Jedi is the second best. I think Rise of the Skywalker is, or Rise of Skywalker. I just, Rise of the Skywalker, because everything was Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of, or, you know, <laughs> and now it's like Rise of Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker. It's like, just, just whatever. Anyway, um, and I think Skywalker is 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 the worst of those three, so... Uh, me personally, I put those in those order. I know many people have pitchforks. Many people are very upset and I totally understand. Um, but I point to all the people who I think even like yourself got really jacked that Christensen would be back for the Obi-Wan series. And I say that's probably because Revenge of the Sith actually kind of stuck the landing decently. Did it falter? Did it get a 9.9? .9? No. But did it get like at least an 8.9? .9? I think so. Like, I think it did some pretty good stuff. A little long. Uh, a little bit much, but overall of those first three, I think Revenge of Sith was pretty solid. And um, yeah, so I, I think that trilogy, those last threes uh, are very, very, very interesting. Uh, someday when we have even more time, I'd like to dig in 
to my uh, Return of the Jedi um, stuff. I uh, I've I've seen that one m- much more recently than um, even Revenge of the Sith, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a very good movie. I think it 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 really 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 benefits from being the ending of the original very precious no one can touch these trilogy um much yeah. like how when we were growing up people said temple of doom wasn't a good movie and now people are like temple of doom is amazing crystal skull's garbage like don't even talk about it. i mean yeah. in my opinion i think temple of doom was very good it's just a very different movie but when you create something so precious and then create a new thing suddenly everyone's looking back at the old stuff and being like well there wasn't anything bad about it i mean you know temple of doom just had some missteps right it's like well you're very forgiving about it now that there's a new one out that you really don't like and your precious like originals are being touched so i think return of the jedi has a bit of that um that a lot of people look at and a lot of people came to Turn to the Jedi when they were very young, so and, you're more willing to forgive some of that. But, and this yeah. is it'd be interesting, you know, to, to hear what you think, Perlescent Moon. If you do find a way to watch them uh, and you have some opinions on them, then write in, let us know, because it's always really fun yeah. for people that have been steeped in Star Wars culture for years, like their entire lives, to have. I mean, it's one of the best experiences ever to watch Star Wars with someone that has never seen Star Wars, whether it's a kid, you know, a parent, like whatever it is. Uh, it's just really fun to experience those things for the first time. It's one of the reasons why my sister and I really enjoyed the Christmas tradition of my dad and his partner, all of us going to go see Star Wars every Christmas as part of a Christmas gift. Like it's just a thing we did because it was the theaters. No one had seen the new movie yet. So we got all got to experience it at the same time, you know, and that, mm. that uh, wonder and like excitement and all that kind of stuff is, is always really present. Um, I find... I think I fall into a pretty general category of that Return of the Jedi was my favorite growing up until I was older, at which point I would recognize that Empire Strikes Back is my favorite film. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like, is it my favorite or is it the one that I see, I say is the best movie? Like, is it, is it objectively better for me or is it something that I just, I like more? I still really like, I still really like Return of the Jedi, but I think that's because, and you might be able to speak to this too. As a big Captain America fan, as a big Superman Boy Scout fan, I like it when the good guys win. And so, spoiler, surprise, the third installment of the trilogy in 1983, the good guys win. Um, So it's one of those things where like it just it's it's, it has that like that bow on it. And, And as a younger person, you tend to like get behind that more, I think. Um, and so that it'd be interesting to see which of those, uh, you like the thing that I've noticed, uh, from people that are new, especially younger people is that they definitely don't hate on the original trilogy as much as people that experienced four, five, and six first, and then had to wait 20 years for more Star Wars. Like when you, <laughs> yeah. when you, when you're, when you're in your, like I, I was 20 ish when the new trilogy came out. And so I wait, had a wait. lot. You talking about one, two, three, or are you talking about? Yeah, you were yeah. twenty when uh, <laughs> when Force Awakens. I'm sorry, Joel, not no, to no, date no. you. Sorry, sorry. When the when when the prequel trilogy episodes prequel, one, two, and yes. three came out, I was in my twenties. Um, yes, and so there was a lot going into that. I had seen the original series, the four, five, six. I had seen them hundreds of times. <laughs> like on VHS and beta tape. Like I, I had them on di- many different versions for home video uh, and watched them probably yearly. 
so it was one of those things where like I had a lot going into that. Whereas people that are just now going like Star Wars is pretty cool. I like that Force Awakens film. Apparently they had there's nine of them. I should go back and watch the first one. And people just watch <laughs> them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, right? And and then will come on social media and just like, I don't understand why everybody hates the episode one. I mean, like, sure, Jar Jar wasn't my favorite, but it was still a good movie, you know? Like, so it, it, they're much more forgiving, you know, in terms of that. Uh, and I think that, I think it's, I think you're right. Like when it's all relative, like the three mm-hmm. movies that exist are fantastic until someone makes a crappy fourth one or vice versa makes a better fourth one. Um, I would argue Despite some of my real shortcomings with something like Episode Eight, um, the Last Jedi, the Last Jedi, I think Seven, Eight, Nine to me are better than One, Two, Three. But I can't argue why. That's just like a gut reaction. I agree, and I it, think so too. It could yeah. also just be that movies are just made better now. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Just like written. Yeah. yeah there's it, a little it, bit of better writing bit and of better acting writing in those. And, yeah. Even if the writing at times does stink it up, yeah. it's not, it's not as bad as yeah. that one, two, three, but no. yeah, I agree. Uh, and we, I know we have to move on, but, um, if Perlescent Moon did ask about TV shows, I, that's a rabbit hole. I don't even know it's where hard. to begin. It's really hard because there's something like seven seasons of Clone Wars. There's three seasons of Rebels, if not four. Um, Four, you have Rebels. Plus, you're going to add Mando now. And depending on how quickly he watches these, or he or she, uh, uh, or you know they, um, there there could be a chance that by the time you're through whatever movie you want to watch, you're like, oh, now there's also Ahsoka and Rangers Mm -hmm. and someday soon Acolyte and blah blah. blah. And there's the comics. To be frank, the thing that I think gets lost, my buddy Adam says this all the time. They did some really good original trilogy comics. I'm talking about like you get yep. all the things people didn't love and the the new, the 789 trilogy of your favorite characters post Empire's collapse, stuff that Mando's getting into. You get to see a lot of great Luke going around. There's some comics that take place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I've heard the Vader comic is incredibly good. So there's a lot of mediums out there. And I would say, unfortunately, for some of the spoilers, it's probably best and more palatable and easier to do. Just do the nine movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, if you're like, I love the Jedi, great. You will have plenty of opportunities to check out Jedi. But if you watch it and you're like, I really loved the Rogue Squadron. Well, there's media out there, both canonical and not, that's there. So I think whatever wherever your bread is buttered as far as like within the greater star wars universe the good news is at this point not only will we be getting more of lots of expanded elements and corners but we've also had uh opportunities across very different mediums um to sort of experience a lot of different stuff so it's it's been nice i think um given you know you could say oversaturation which is true but also if the people want it and a lot of people do uh you have access to a lot of different stuff so and it's worth it, it's worth noting too that um, these TV series all came out after the original six movies were done, uh, either yeah. started or or uh, even the Mandalorian came out after all of these things were finished, all nine films. So yes, you don't need any information from Rogue One solo as separate movies or from Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian. Like none of that really ties in and influences the plot 
of the Skywalker saga. So mm-hmm. you can experience those the same way that everybody else has. They finish the nine movies or they finish where to wherever it was available at the time and they go, I want more. Oh, here's a side story or here's something that was a, something that happened elsewhere in the Star Wars universe that I'd like to dig into. And so you can get a lot of satisfaction out of that. I mean, like the, the timeline of when the Mandalorian happens is important, but you can find that out when you watch the show. Uh, and, but other than that, like there's, there's, it doesn't really, it doesn't tie in in any significant way uh, yeah. to the Skywalker saga, which is nice um, because it, it, it's nice that um, the other strengths of the Star Wars universe now are getting some, some spotlights. Whereas the Skywalker saga was kind of stealing all the glory for a long time, which is fine because yeah. I like it, but it just, it's nice that there, there's a lot of stories to be told. Uh, and I think that they're, I'm looking forward to actually, I, we talked about this on the round table earlier this year, but like uh, being able to dive into other aspects of Star Wars, I think is, is very, very cool. Moving on into what we have been watching, I have been checking out WandaVision on Disney Plus. And uh, I feel like you probably have more to say about this than I do. So are you <laughs> caught up? How far are you into WandaVision? Yes, the two episodes. So they dropped two right off the bat, which is now a new, sort of a new streaming thing. Unless you only have like three episodes, you kind of drop the first two back to back. So that's going to be coming to play a little bit when we talk. But back in the day, I used to do a podcast. And at the end of it, when we talk about a topic, we do something called the face off. Where one of the co-hosts and I, Kyle and I, one of us would take the pro side and one of us would take the anti side of whatever it was. And I feel like based on the notes, you're on the anti side of this, which is fine because i'm on the pro side and this is a rare situation joel where i think like we are we dif- differ in opinion um not incredibly strongly um but like enough that uh the audience will kind of get more of like a like a back and forth a, a general volley you know it's a scrimmage game like we're not trying to play the super bowl of whether the show's great yet um but yeah wandavision you know, you got basically 30 minute episodes dropping on Disney Plus um, and the premise is basically, you know, Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch and Vision are uh, living in a an old sitcom, a American style 1950s sitcom, 60, 60s, first episodes in black and white. Based on trailers, you're going to get a little bit more color, um, not to spoil anything, but that's sort of the gist you know if you're familiar at all and honestly there's a lot of people of this generation that grew up with the mcu that are not um so it's very interesting probably to hear someone's opinion that uh is sub uh sub 25 that might be watching wandavision but um yeah it's it's sort of dig Van. the first episode and second episode as well are very dig van dyke bewitched um you know i love lucy-esque um comedies that um are of a time for sure but what's interesting is you're kind of like well what the hell's going on like why why are we watching uh two of the most powerful people in all of the mcu in a sitcom show uh, and i think when this was announced that was sort of the head scratcher as well now to see it in action um and talking to my wife before the show and 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 looking ahead a little bit um on on your opinion joel but um but anyway i I can see how um it's a little a little strange but um just off the bat i'll say i they definitely have things in the works based on the trailer alone they sort of um spoiled that things are going to unravel to some degree 
uh, in this little world that we're, we're peering into. Um, and I'm interested to see where that goes. I think what has benefited these, the start is they dropped both the first two back to back since the first one spoilers aside, doesn't really do much to set up where we're going with this season. And I can totally see that it is very indulgent in its format, um, which I enjoy the fact that they're announcing this Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I think some might elicit a groan and some might elicit a hooray. To me, I'm at a point where we've seen the MCU is great. And I think you we, we agree we love almost all corners of the MCU. Um, we'll see what they do with all these big announcements and how much further they go. But the thing is, and the biggest complaint I have from people who just aren't as into the MCU is it's it has a lot of sameness to it. It's, you know, heroes, journey, boom. Okay, now the heroes established, join up with more heroes. Like the sense of humor in a lot of them is similar. Like some characters are different. Cap has a different sense of humor than Tony Stark. And but like Tony Stark's snarkiness translates to so many members of the universe. And the dumb goofiness of Thor is also translating to so many men. So there's a lot of sameness and humor, a lot of sameness in some of the other stuff. And until you got sort of phase three where we had, you know, Captain Marvel, Black Panther and um, Doctor Strange. And now I think with the post endgame world, I'm excited because we're going into this idea of a multiverse. There's a lot more of like existential. Well, I shouldn't say that, but there's a lot more um, strange and scientific and high fantasy concepts that Marvel's always been really good at. Honestly, they just, you know, it's hard to sort of bring all that to the forefront when your main character is a, a soldier frozen in ice and a guy who wears armor like those things even though they're science fiction are still science fictiony and less like ethereal and cosmic and i think the cosmos is going to be a big part of uh and the and, you know the greater universe and multiverse are, are much more important to the marvel mcu going forward so a show like this one division uh is very very different so far than what we've seen now it could boil down to being very same i mean there's still plenty of humor in this but the humor to me is tainted more by the the tropes and the theming that they put it in but um i'll be interested i think the third episode is really important i think there's nine they're going to do of these um and uh it'll be really important to see where we're going with this whole thing but for now i'm pleased that we basically didn't start off with a boots on the ground like the thing about mandalorian that i really liked was it started off very much as a loner samurai western and now it's sort of expanded a bit more into the greater star wars universe to the point where you could kind of kind of start to make the argument well whether or not it's the same show we'll see for season three if they kind of pull it back a little bit um but i think with wandavision it's nice that right now it's starting off as something different now if it ends up the same as everything else that people are more comfortable with we'll see um i personally prefer and i know in some of the comics when it comes to vision and particularly scarlet witch some of those storylines are far more impactful because they yes they have earth-shattering events centered around these characters if you're familiar with the comics but i also think on a scale of emotional trauma and turbulence um if this show gets into more of that because Endgame ended, and spoiler alert, 
um wanda didn't really get a happy ending she didn't get vision back and so we're now walking into this world where she has him and this sort of perfected you know american 1950s sitcom so it's interesting i think to see where that's gonna go now they might not get that far it's a disney plus show it's not exactly a hbo max like hard r so the trauma of it might not be as important but we'll see i am willing to give it a little bit more rope um but yeah i think where it started right now i'm very intrigued and i'm happy that it's just not you know, uh, it's just not another CW show. Like the CW superhero shows right. are very much <clears throat> new hero, same plot, same 20 episodes, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, the same thing. So oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I, I I presumed a lot of your feelings up front, but what, how did you feel? Well, about I mean, like the fact that I've got three thumbs down in the no show notes should be, should be an indication <laughs> know, as I, to where you're going. Uh, for people to know, that was your only note for a long time. <laughs> so I just want everyone to know, Joel's note, who is extensive in your notes, if you ever check the show notes, his first note was three emojis, thumbs down, nothing else. And it was like, wow, I, that might be the biggest, like more than a middle finger. That might be the biggest thing I've seen. But go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so I agree with you that it's nice that it's different. And I have said many times on the Citadel Cafe, I am done with stuff going over and over again, like the uh, CW superhero shows like Flash and Supergirl and like the stuff that gets so formulaic like Arrow. Um, so I'm happy that it's something different. Uh, and And this is an assumption, but it looks to me like they're trying to give you a window into what might have been going on during the snap, like during those years where these people have just been erased from existence mm. uh, from mm -hmm. the cinematic MCU. And uh, I think that's really interesting because it really gives you a lot of creative license because essentially who knows? Like that, no one ever thought of that <laughs> in, in the comics as far as I know. Uh, maybe they have, but to me is like, okay, this could be really interesting. And I liked the trailer. I liked the idea of them telling this story through this weird kind of surreal uh, 1950s, 60s, 70s sitcom as it looks like they're going to take like a trip through the ages of, of American television. Um, yeah. The unfortunate reality for me was I haven't finished the second episode. I watched the first but I paused the second twice, wondering how much time I had left. I'm still only halfway through of the 37 minutes. Now, that's a little bit of a misnomer because the first episode had something like five minutes of credits. So it says that it's 25 minutes long, but it's really more like 20. So 37 minutes might be a stretch. Still half an hour. Um, I find it boring. I don't want to. I'm happy that it's going to change. If it changes my mind, I'm happy for other people to change my mind. I don't want to dislike the show. Uh, I am struggling to finish it. I even thought, Joel, don't forget. Don't forget to watch it before you talk to Brockett. So you're all caught up. Didn't even bother. <laughs> Never even crossed my mind. I forgot the show existed until I sat down and thought, oh, I probably need to add more notes than three thumbs down from Brockett <laughs> and I to talk about. Um, and so I th sat here and thought, like, wh what is it about it that I don't like? because the premise is intriguing. Some of the conversations, I would say, I would definitely agree that the first episode really doesn't give you much. It's more yeah. about setting up the theme of the series than any kind of plot information. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas the second episode has a little bit more going on. Uh, although the end of the first gives you some clues as well. Uh, but the thing that I found um, irritating is the other characters and the other situations. What I am curious about in WandaVision is what the heck is going on from a Wanda and Vision perspective. I mm-hmm. don't care about the boss coming over to dinner with his wife or the neighborhood you know, group of, of, of busybody women in the fifties that are causing gossip and the neighborhood watch that vision is like, I don't care because I've seen it a thousand times before in every sitcom from reruns of the Brady brunch to family matters and full house and like everything from the nineties. Like it is all the same. The, the plots really don't change the, the type of stories the situations that they throw the characters in for humor really have not changed much for the bulk of the sitcom world and so the overbearing boss the insufferable neighborhood busybody like i i just don't care and i i remember being just irritated at the point where it's like i'm just gonna turn i'm gonna pause this and scroll through twitter like because i was bored in episode two of wanda trying to talk to this insufferable woman that just doesn't listen to anyone anything that anyone's saying and i just I want the good stuff. I want, I think the problem is it's a balance that they're not striking yet. And I'm happy to give it more episodes. I want to try and change my own mind. Um, But they need, I think, to bring in more people like me that are on the fence about it. I think they need to show just a little bit more of the world outside the world. Like they need more uh, either Stranger Things or I'm trying to think about another show that got weird like that. In, in a way that made you like, kind of like, what the heck just happened? Um, I'm not sure if you can think of anything. Um, I'm thinking Lost kind of did it where Lost, you didn't maybe, know yeah. flashbacks wise, but yeah, yeah, that was more of a flashback thing than, yeah. yeah. But like, there's, there's little things like, so, so anytime Wanda and Vision are asked something specific, like how long have they been married? Uh, uh, where did they move to the town from? Like, where did you come from? What's your history? They don't have it. They can't talk about it. Uh, so it starts to, you start to think, okay, well, wait a minute. Where are they? Are they in their own subconscious? Like they're they're experiencing this as if it's real, but when it comes to their personal history, they can't remember. And so that kind of stuff is interesting to me, but they very seldom do they bring it into the story so far. And I think that that's just, they need to do more of it. They need to, um, they need to amp that up so that uh, not every scene, but the situations rather than being driven by whatever neighborhood thing is happening, that's safe for TV in the sixties, which no one cares about. That shouldn't be what's driving the episode. They should try to find something that's a little bit more, Wanda and Vision related as far as people think about the the MCU and what the show is trying to do. Um, there's a couple of things where, a couple of shots where they hang on someone that is at the control booth behind the TV show. That's intriguing. There's um, some things that, I mean, Wanda and Vision have their powers, which they have to hide from everybody. Uh, which is is interesting because, of course, in the MCU and the movies, they don't hide their powers from anybody. Um, and then well, what else was it? There was one other thing. It had something to do with 
Oh, well, the artistic presentation of, of the show being filmed in black and white, but then some things showing up in color, I thought was... Yes, a, it's an interesting that's stylistic. evolving. Yeah, it's a stylistic thing. So there's things like that where I'm just like, okay, like I'm curious to know where you're going with this, but the problem is that they're not leaving out enough Reese's Pieces for me. Like I'm, I'm picking up one and going like, well, that was... It's like giving someone one Reese's Pieces. And the, and the, the next question is like, can, can I have another one? Like, is that it? They usually come in bags. Like, why, why do I not have more of these? And it's frustrating, I think, is maybe the, the word I'm looking for. Um, so again, it's well made. Like, I mean, it's Disney Plus and MCU. And I mean, like they've got budgets coming out their ears. It looks fantastic. Um, and I would imagine a great deal of fun for the actors to do. Um, but it's mm-hmm. all so scripted. And they never break the 1950s, 60s character vibe. And I feel like they need to do that a little bit more. Like, I think we need like the Wanda and Vision that we've gotten to know in the films to just crop up a little bit more rather than Wanda pretending to be a 1950s housewife and talking like one. I think, yeah, I think the most, well, first, I think the first two episodes unfortunately are two episodes but they drop together i feel like you gotta yeah smash them together because the end of the first one only has a bare bump stinger but the end of the second one has a little bit more meat on it um by the ending and uh, like you say there's a lot more cracks in the porcelain doll that is uh this series so far by the end of the second episode and i imagine they're going to try and do that more yeah it's a different situation i don't I think I'm more ready for a slow burn type of thing because so much of the MCU is like moving at a billion miles per hour. Like we got a friggin' new MCU Spider-Man film and he hangs out with Tony Stark and he's doing all these billions of things. And now the second movie is like a billion. And like, holy crap. Like you go back and I want to, I was on a rewatch with my buddy of the first uh, Thor movie. If you watch the first Thor movie versus Ragnarok, I think somebody would literally be like, wow, how did they keep making Thor movies? This sucks. The Thor movie was great. I liked it. It was one of my favorite of the original phase one. But we've come so far now that we expect a million, billion, thousand light years of things to happen all at once. Um, And I think this show, unfortunately, and I think um i'd be again very interested to see somebody who's sub 25 who had no no real idea of nick at night having black and white shows i mean nick at night now joel is like friggin' fresh prince it's shit we watched like almost on live television <laughs> like you want to feel old you watch the old ass like when turn classic movies which doesn't uh who knows if it'll still exist and they're closing it up but when um when AMC would have like old war movies, my dad was like, oh, I remember seeing that as a kid. When AMC now is going to start showing shit like Raiders of the Lost Ark as this like precious old film, you're going to be like, Jesus, God, how old am I now? Like you're starting <laughs> to feel that. Um, I think a younger audience who didn't grow up with I Love You, Lucy might watch that first episode and be like, this is really kind of quirky and silly and dumb and like it's fun. And you and I are like rolling our eyes because personally I did not care at all about watching any of those classic uh, honeymooners i love lucy these comedic legends and legendary shows even to the part of when it we went into color and stuff like that like and people still talk about how cheers has a lot of like evergreen episodes i have no interest because honestly humor evolves and that sort of stuff changes now the lens that we're seeing this world through this fisheye lens of that sort of time period and if they are going to take us to a nostalgic trump through 
Americana television of the 60s through 70s through 80s, maybe the series ends with like it feeling more like um, I, I, I'm, I'm blanking on a, a classic 80s uh, sitcom at this point. But like if it ends more like that, um, uh, yeah, that could be very interesting. Um, at the same time, I agree. They definitely need I mean, you've promised you promised uh, top tier superheroes in this and i think people are going to feel a little robbed if by the end it turns out to be very mind gamey with no real like super mental like challenges you know so they do they do have the runway is is longer for me but now i need this the plane to take off a little bit more and it seems like for you it was like i really need this plane off the tarmac like earlier so i can kind of get behind this and that's totally valid and i think the format they're using with these old, very dated, very, I mean, I, I can imagine somebody watching this and kind of being like, oh my God, this is like funny because like people like treated women like this and they acted like this. This is so funny and gauche. And you're like, oh no, actually this was kind of like how people looked at other people and tried to treat them like this. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God. Honestly, they have far more diversity to be frank in this show already yes, yeah. than they would have yeah, at that time period. I agree. Um, so at least that, that element is not uh, hidden away, but, um, but yeah, I agree. They need, and my wife's, uh, Laura told me right before we started podcast, she's like, you know what? I don't know if I'm really into it. And I'm like, wow, you know, like she's mm -hmm. loved the MCU as well. She has not loved it as much as the star Wars stuff. Um, but yeah, she's a little on the fence too. So I think, it's tricky. I think they only get one episode this Friday and they need to really make that one count. I think for you, for my wife, for several mm -hmm. other people, because yeah. streaming is just so prevalent now. So, um, but I, I'm willing to give it a little bit more. I think also, cause I'm a familiar with some comic things that happen with these characters and it feels slightly like they're dancing on the edge of some of it, um, that I'm very interested to see in an MCU uh how they would hit some of these like civil war when they did the movie if you're familiar with the comic book story is different very different from it but still baseline same and to be frank i think it was better than the comic but that's just me um but at the same time i think when somebody reads what has seen quote-unquote source material and then sees how uh, a big tier film or tv show handles it it's always very intriguing um and i think it would be very intriguing for me to see uh, the Wanda Maximoff uh, that we're getting here. I'm honestly less concerned with where Vision is at this point because honestly, we don't know where the F Vision is at all at this point. Um, I'm, to your point, that's a good point. I thought this was definitely happening post Endgame. There's a chance this happens between Infinity War and Endgame. Like, we don't know. So I think there's a lot of room there to to really flesh out and get some good meaty stuff. There's also a lot of room there. And that means you can really kind of fumble off into the dark woods. Like you get you get to kind of hone in a bit. And I can see that for sure. So the and I was realizing my my error uh, minus geek cred for me. Um, I was thinking like this is what's happening to these two characters that are part of the snap. Uh, nope. Uh, Wanda was part of the snap. Vision was killed before the snap. <laughs> Correct. So, yep. um, but the other thing that ties them both together is that Vision's powers, he has a stone in his forehead. So like he's pretty tied to the Infinity Stones and Wanda's mm -hmm. powers came from the Infinity Stones uh, mm -hmm. or at least were amped up by them. I don't really remember which. Uh, so there's, there's some interesting 
questions and interesting ground that they could go to. I think, like you said, my problem is that they just haven't gotten there fast enough. Question, I know we're going to move on, but instead of 1950s and 60s nods to these old televisions for the, the campiness of it, if this was a modern sitcom, like if this was... I don't know how Big much Bang your mother, Theory. Big Bang Three. I mean, how much your mother is an older one, but like I'm just, like current, like All in the Family, or what's the uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like stuff that's happened in the last four years, right? If this was written like that, with all of these same kind of like weird undertones of not remembering where they're from and like that kind of like a weird sci-fi kind of go like frame to it, um, I think I would be more compelled because I think part of the thing that's that's pulling me out of it from from an interest perspective is the fact that they're these 1950s and 60s throwbacks yeah i think i don't know for sure i'm really very negligent on television past this recent golden golden age Mm. so i would wonder i'm going to try and stir my parents towards it and see how they feel about it um you know but uh but I would be very interested. I don't know when Dick Van Dyke, which the first episode is very heavy on second episode is very heavy on bewitched a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I don't want to Google and mess up my setup, but I don't know when, what decades both those shows came out, but I would be interested to see if each episode almost jumps five to 10 years into a new decade of sitcoms. And at that point, again, simply from a geek standpoint, I'd be fascinated to see how by episode seven we have i don't know maybe late 80s sitcom um, version of this while dealing the with the ramification i think that's the tricky part how do you honor what you've set up in your very high concept of this sort of sitcom while honoring why people came to the show which is the current mcu and the standard we have for that sort of thing and Since this is the first of the Marvel ones, um, it'll be very interesting because um, I feel like Falcon, Falcon Winter Soldier, stupid name. They need to change that. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So many billions of words to say. Um, if if that comes out and is more of like a cool like spy, you know, Mission Impossible style show, that'd be cool. Um, and Loki can be sort of like a weird ethereal show. Cool. So each one of them could be very different, but um, WandaVision probably has some of the most titanically powerful people in the entire MC universe, whether people realize that or not. And um, putting them in a box on the small screen, as it were, uh, is, uh, is, is, was already a very difficult task. So, so far I think they've done pretty good, but eventually these Titans aren't going to want to sit in a cardboard box. They're going to want to be in a, a premium story with some big thing. So, uh, and Mandalorian last season set up, that Disney can really put some money into these things. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, Dick Van Dyke Show, 1961 to 
Um, I'm on season one. I'm about four episodes in. Uh, it will be renewed for another two seasons, or I guess season five and season six are basically, that's happening. So if you get into it and you like it, there's more coming. Uh, I don't normally find this kind of content funny because so much of it is either over the top or this awkward style of comedy that's just everywhere right now. Kim's Convenience is uh, neither of those things. It It's funny. It's a Canadian... Um, how do I how do I position this? It's not the same kind of Canadian content I'm used to. It doesn't look like Canadian content outside of the fact that it's set in Canada and shot in Toronto. It 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 is not the same sort of humor that I'm used to in Canadian content. It's a little it's more modern and it's more balanced. Uh so it focuses on the Kim family, a Korean Canadian family that has a convenience store in the Moss Park neighborhood of Toronto. Means a lot more to people from Toronto than it does to me, but Toronto in general, you just kind of get the idea of big city convenience store, but also within like its own neighborhood. So you have regulars and stuff like that. Um, Appa or Mr. Kim played by Paul uh, Sung Hyung Lee uh, and Amma, uh, Jean Yoon, uh, Korean for mom and dad respectively, along with her daughter, Janet, played by Andrea Bang, and the estranged son, uh, Jung, uh, played by Simon, or sorry, Simu uh, Liu. Other characters include Jung's friend and co-worker Kimchi, uh, Andrew Fung, and his uh, manager at the um, car dealership where Jung works, uh, Shannon, played by Nicole Power. And it's based on a play written, written by show creator Choi uh, in 2011 that won a lot of accolades and, and, and praise. Uh, it's really funny, but in a clever way, in a way that you have to listen to everything being said because little things that Mr. Kim says when he's walking out of frame are some of the funniest things in the episode. <laughs> uh, as he, he either mumbles to himself or continues to talk to someone as he just leaves their presence. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's really, really interesting. And the main kind of like crooks of the humor that I can find so far in the four episodes, which were very easy to watch, which is something that I find starkly contrasts my experience with WandaVision this week is that I had to work and then forgot to finish it. Whereas with, I watched four of Kim's convenience and just forgot that it was still going. <laughs> I was, I had to check to see how many I'd watched. I thought I only watched three and I'd watched four. Um, so from what I can take there, both Mr. And Mrs. Kim speak with a heavy uh, Korean accent when they speak english uh it's not done in a silly way though it's just meant to illustrate that they're from korea they're not born in canada uh whereas their kids were or at least were brought over very young i don't i haven't got that far into the show to know when that happened um but the kids have a lot more of canadian culture and north american culture kind of like in their lives uh whereas the um, parents are a little bit more old school and you you get the idea that they're they're setting up that juxtaposition of like how that kind of culture might clash isn't the wrong word because it sounds too heavy but I can't think of a different maybe contrast one another um, and so the kids specifically uh, the daughter Janet is always like telling her mom like you can't say that you can't do that you can't judge someone on her clothes you know or stuff like that when the mom is saying yeah, like i'm yeah. not judging her she's still very sweet but she dresses like a slut and you're just like what like it's just the words that they use because english is the, is supposed to be their second language are always the most extreme word for describing something you know like yeah someone's like what 
it's a little bit of a provocative dress. That's not how they position it. It's black or white. <laughs> and that, yeah. and therein lies the, the humor a lot of the times. Um, the other time, uh, which is more so with Mr. Kim, his character, uh, always wants to appear very confident that he knows what's going on and will will skip ahead to the end of a conversation or to where he thinks it's going and take over, usually to the embarrassment or, or offense or confusion of the other person in the conversation. Um, a good example, Janet is a photographer and one of her friends, I can't remember his name, maybe it's Doug, something like that. He uh, took photos and um, they were looking at these photos. They didn't show them on screen because he was supposed to be nude in the photos because they're art students. And so he took some nude photos himself, of himself artistically. And Mr. and Mrs. Kim are both um, religious. They're both Catholic. Uh, and so he was, Mr. Kim was like, no, I don't need to. I didn't need to see that sort of thing. And then later on, um, the project for school is portrait work, like just headshots, basically. And so Doug, I think it's his name, approaches uh, the uh, Mr. Kim and says, hey, I'd like to take your, your photo. And Mr. Kim just goes down this rabbit hole of like, I've seen your photos. This, What do you think I am? I know how this works. First, like, oh, you look very, you look very hot, Mr. Kim. You should take off your jacket and then you should take off your shirt and then you should take off your panty. And it, <laughs> like it just goes down this hole. <laughs> and the whole time this kid is going, no, but that's not, I don't want <laughs> <laughs> and it just it goes off the rails very very quickly uh in in a great great way um Gerald I think is the guy's is the guy's name um the the photography student anyway like it just I there's been a number of times that I've laughed out loud and you never feel bad for laughing at stuff that the parents say despite the fact that they're speaking in a very you know stereotypical kind of like um Korean you know English accent um because I think of the way that it's presented. You still get both sides of the culture. The kids do a really good job of balancing like what it's like to be a, you know, a Korean growing up in, in Canada. And, and the, the, the parents are not doing anything like they're, they're doing stuff out of usually either misunderstanding the culture, but never out of any kind of like hatred or dismissal. Um, the first episode goes off to the races in no time. Uh, Mr. Kim decides that he's really sick of the gay pride parade causing problems for his store because the foot traffic can't get to the store when the parade goes by. So then to drive business up and to avoid appearing like he's anti-gay, which is not the case, he gives a gay discount, <laughs> which, you, which you're not really supposed to be able to do. Um, but for the sake of the show and the humor, he gives a 15% discount to anybody that is gay and he is the judge of whether you're gay or not right <laughs> and and there's there's a point when there's a drag queen in the store and he comes up to the to the desk and and the way that Mr. Kim asks the drag queen about like if he's gay if he's straight is he trend like is he is he a, a, is he cross dressing or is he is he going like changing gender like he was earnestly asking and the way that the show handled that was really good like the there's a moment of like confusion and almost like you can see the drag queen getting their back up and then and then he just like oh you you really honestly want to know and mr kim's like yeah <laughs> i just i just want the information and so because he's very matter of fact and so mm -hmm. they discuss it and and the drag queen says it just feels more like me 
And Mr. Kim goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and then yeah. that's it. And it, so it takes these things that are confusing to different parts of different cultures and balances them out with some very funny moments. Uh, I struggling to remember everything, but a lot of, a lot of the humor comes from, um, like Mr. Kim, like overshooting. Um, if he's, if he's done anything bad, the characters always apologize or they try to balance it out. And the other thing that's interesting about the show is this estranged, estranged son, uh, Jung, who works at this car rental place. So he was either, I can't remember exactly the details or slash. I don't know the details. He was either kicked out at 16 or ran away at 16. Either way, got into some trouble and now doesn't live at home and hasn't talked to his dad in years. Uh, he looks to be in his early twenties. Um, he's a younger sister is 20, 20 or 21. So he's probably 23, 24, something like that. And, um, speaks to the mom, speaks to the sister, doesn't speak to the dad. And so there's this underlying, like, like real family drama. That's not funny at all. That, that gives the show some heart and, and, and adds these little, these little Easter eggs that if you're paying attention to what's happening, whether it's a prop or whether it's, uh, a line or whether like whatever it is that that's going on, um, it's subtle and you don't often see subtle in sitcoms these days at least not in my experience and so i highly recommend it i mean it's on netflix so it should be available across the u.s on netflix it's on cbc in canada for the new stuff uh i don't know where you would get it overseas but i would imagine netflix probably um and uh i'm really enjoying it and i'm enjoying it more than schitt's creek schitt's creek has an awful lot of that awkward humor whereas this just tends to be more about the writing and the characters and so you need to kind of give Kim's convenience a good two episodes before you get to know Mr. Kim, Mrs. Kim, Janet, and Jung. Um, I will say that the weakest part of the show is the stuff around the rental office. Um, I'm not a fan of Shannon. Uh, nothing against Nicole Power, the, the girl that plays her. Um, I just think the writing for Shannon is bad. It's it. No one talks like that. And it's this one note. She has a crush on Jung and she keeps on slipping up when she's talking about like cleaning a car or regular office, you know, chit chat. She keeps on making innuendos and then correcting herself. And he's trying to pretend that he doesn't know what's going on. And it's, it's old and broken and it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it (laughs) just, and it feels fake. Like she doesn't talk like a real person. Whereas everybody else with the exception of maybe the parents, but the kids definitely like they're really good actors. Like everybody in it is very talented and you, you forget that it's a sitcom. It doesn't look like it's a Canadian thing. Like it really kind of has, I'm not sure. I've said this on the show before. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but a lot of Canadian content tends to look like it's shot on a camcorder. And this this doesn't. I don't know why that is. I'm not sure what the difference is, but so much Canadian television just looks low budget. Maybe it's just because it is a super low budget. I don't know. But this really, this really doesn't. It's it's really up there. I, I quite enjoy it so far. And so I'm excited to have something that's good, that's funny, that I like, that's also local. Like it's the fact that it's Canadian is is kind of fun for me. That's awesome. It's nice. Representation and all that is really is is important at all levels. So it's yeah. good. The sitcom can have a little bit more of that over the years. One of the reasons I got into it, I was listening to Cord Killers, another podcast that I listened to, and Brian Brushwood uh, has watched has watched most of it and really, really likes it. And one of the comments that he made and why it was one of his top shows of 2020 was because he doesn't feel awkward or embarrassed watching it with all of the things that he's aware of in the world these days. He instead feels 
more educated into what it's like for Korean culture and and how that culture gets folded into North American neighborhoods when you become a part of a different country and you move and all that kind of stuff. He felt like he knew better. And he said that you very much feel like you're laughing with them, not at them. And that's a huge and important point to make that it's not at all making fun of um, Korean culture or, or even the way that, you know, some Koreans might speak English as a second language in a way that's derogatory. Like it's just meant mm-hmm. to be, this is just how it, how this is just what a lot of people has, have experienced. It, it's not untrue. It's just not a caricature of a, of a Korean uh, family. I think they do a really good job of walking that line. And because there's so many people um, in, in from different walks of life involved in the show, um, because it is in Toronto, which is a multicultural boiling pot, <laughs> you know, like it just, yeah. it, it just, it really does. It really does work very, very well. Moving on into the internet minute, which is of course brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server and get access to some additional recorded content. Uh, more of that actually coming this year. That's something we're going to be working on. The current patron count is, I believe, 20. If you'd like to be 21, then go to patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe, check out the rewards, and maybe become a member. Super quick pick this week, Star Wars Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition is free on Epic Games until January 21st. That's tomorrow, so let's hope that I publish this show today. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's more of a nod to just the free games that are always on uh, Epic Games. Uh, They can sometimes be very large titles, uh, things that you can get for either free or for very, very cheap. Uh, And so check out Star Wars Battlefront 2, the Celebration Edition, for free on Epic Games for the next day or so. Uh, It's been on sale since the 14th. Um, The way that Epic Games does this is they have a game for free. They say, this is free now. Usually it's about a week. And then they'll show you what the next one is going to be. So you have like a week to plan and think, oh, I'm not interested in like whatever this RTS game is that's coming up next. But hey, there's a puzzle game or a first person shooter that's coming out next week that I might want to remind myself to go check out. So check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes and uh, happy Star Wars because uh, why not? That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com, just like Pearlescent Moon. Find the show by name on Twitter and subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth, however, is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about it. Tell them where they can go to listen to it. It's totally free to do that. Helps us out a great deal. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything that I'm doing online, including my illustration design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast, The Spawn Chunks, at thespawnchunks.com. It's all about Minecraft. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. And I will point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where we have been playing an awful lot of Minecraft. Been doing a lot of work in the medieval city, which has been uh, going very, very well. However, Battlefront 2, hello, that might be happening soon. So uh, stay tuned. Brockett, where can people find you online? You can check out at the cat volver, although I might go quiet for a bit. We're expecting our second child. So that will uh, at the end of this month. So I probably will see you guys in the cafe much, much later down the road. And uh, in the meantime, I highly recommend the entirety of the series. Steven Universe, speaking of inclusion, um, cartoon network, old show, five seasons, plus another one in a movie. 
Uh, really love that show. Um, I think I threw that out at the end of the roundup uh, last year, but I just finished that one. That was great. And uh, in the meantime, yeah, that's uh, at the Cavolver. And at some point, you'll probably just see lots more pictures of babies. Again, a new baby, uh, my current toddler. And then uh, who knows, maybe maybe pictures of snow or food. M- more likely babies, though. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap. Okay, see you. Thank you.